0: So we're going to go ahead and get started this morning and I'm, I'm going to do it this way. We will have a time this evening. Uh, I, I hope that you have some prayer requests, some, some things that you can share with me. I would encourage you to do so either um, in, in the video conferencing section of this after the service or, um, or shoot me a text or send me an email with any of the prayer requests or praises that you might have that you'd like um, to pass along to me that we can be praying for. I am going to have a time of prayer this morning though. And while I'm not taking any specific requests, there's any number of things that we can thank the Lord for. Uh, Again, I'm not going to uh, spend the time this morning walking through all of those updates. We'll do some of that this evening. I'm also going to be reading some missionary letters this evening. And I'm looking forward to that also uh, as an opportunity to be able to keep you up to date on what's happening with the missionaries and um, uh, thus be able to enjoy... Um, some of those regular things that would happen on a Sunday evening. I do want to mention, and I'll mention this again at the end, but at the uh, end of our time together today, we will be moving over to um, that video conferencing site called Jitsi, and it will be the exact same web address, meet.jit.si forward slash Psalm 8411, and in doing so, we'll have a chance to be able to see each other and enjoy one another's company. In that way, also, and very much looking forward to that, also, uh, we will do YouTube live for Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and then we will be on Jitsi exclusively on Tuesday evening, so that there can be interaction in the teaching setting, and we can go back and forth, and and you can give me your input on the things um, that are in place. As I just kind of got this uh, figured out and set up, if all goes well within this setup, it's quite possible that I could go back to my normal preaching. Uh, I had decided to stop my normal lessons uh, because I don't want to, um, uh, my, my, my preaching style is not very conducive to sitting in a chair and, and talking to a camera. However, with me being able to stand here, having a pulpit of sorts and then adding to that the, uh, the ability that I'd have to put my notes or put my slides in, in a corner of the screen, which is, is very easy to do, uh, there is a possibility that I could get back to my normal preaching from this forum, from this setup, so we'll see how that plays out um, in a couple of weeks. Uh, with my wife, um, great with child, and expecting uh, any moment now, we might still hold off on that, just depending on how long this goes. Um, we will anticipate this week and next week being uh, in this format at the least, as far as uh, in deference to the governor's request um, that we not meet in public, and then we'll see what happens after his um, his April 10th uh, cutoff date there. So what we'll do this morning is first we'll start off with a word of prayer and this will be a prayer not just um, to start the service but it'll be a prayer uh, for those things of which we regularly pray on a Sunday morning Uh, and then I have some thoughts to give you today. These thoughts are not uh, in a typical sermon format. I don't have everything manuscripted out like I would normally do. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more uh, out of my heart, out of my head and um, directed towards some things that the Lord has been showing me and teaching me of late Uh, but let's take a moment and and spend a few uh, minutes in prayer uh, not just for this time but for all of the other things in our lives as well let's pray together Uh, father we do thank you for the morning that you have given and we thank you for your faithfulness in all things as we have done many times so too, I do this morning thank you for the technology uh, by which we are able to uh, do this this morning and to have this time together I thank you for those that are able to join us thank you for the fellowship of sorts that we can have uh, even over these digital mediums and we thank you for your commission to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together we know it to be true we take it very um, seriously and though for this time we are unable to do so we pray that it would be uh, within the broader scope of the exercise of submission and the exercise of love one to another that we would care for one another in this way and in this time we do pray for those who are afflicted right now uh, throughout the course of this outbreak we ask that you would give them healing give them wellness and we pray specifically within this time that you would use these circumstances in the lives not just of the individuals but of the families and, and even of the nation to draw it to a deeper understanding of you to draw us to yourself Father, it cannot but be said that much of the fear and much of the hopelessness and much of the uh, overreaction in some ways of this time is rooted in a a society that, that has lost its bearings, that has lost its grounding in the confidence and the hope that is found in the life that is to come and in Jesus Christ. So I pray that you would grant us that we would be faithful to share the hope of the gospel with others in this time. That you would grant the many uh, who are in fear and who are in doubt um, an understanding of yourself that you would give us a particular sensitivity through your spirit to those who are perhaps receptive or ready to receive of these truths. And may we be a light even in this time, especially in this time. Thank you for the good reports of God's people throughout this week. Thank you uh, for the many uh, men who are able to continue to work and uh, who are not shut down as as many of the businesses are, uh, thank you for the the good general health among God's people and the good reports in that regard. I do pray especially for those who are more at risk that you would uh, keep them well, keep them safe, help them to um, help them well, mm-hmm. not to get sick. And we commit them to you. I continue to pray for my wife and, and for the baby that is to come. I ask that you would um, help everything to go without incident as it uh, relates to uh, the labor that is to come and that there would be no, unex- uh, no nothing unexpected um, that by your grace we might have a healthy child and a healthy mother on the other end of that. We continue to pray for our leaders this morning and ask that you would give them great grace and great wisdom as they walk through this time. I pray that you would restrain their hand in whatever ways necessary in order to preserve our freedoms as well as in order to um, bring about what is what is best without an overreaction. I also pray that you would help them to be able to have the courage to take the steps that are necessary uh, regardless of what other people are saying or regardless of um, what what, um, others might presume to be the consequences of such in order that we might see this country through this time. Uh, Father, we know that our, yet your mercy uh, is, is new every morning. We know that your grace is great uh, though we do not deserve it. Uh, it's the very foundation of what grace means that we do not deserve it. And yet, Father, thank you that we can avail ourselves to it nonetheless. May you protect our leaders, may you bless them, and uh, to whatever degree it is possible in a country that that has drifted as we have, we would pray for your grace and mercy to be upon us, and not just upon us, but upon um, the world, as it is a world crisis that uh, is, is taking place right now. And Father, I pray for us as individuals. I've prayed that we would be able to reach out to others, I've prayed for our leaders, I pray for us that you would help God's people from Legacy Baptist Church not to be afraid. That you would help us to be patient. That you would give us wisdom in decisions as it relates to our own families, as it relates to our own efforts, as it relates to our children, as it relates to our jobs. That you would help us to uh, walk in that armor of God by which we can stand in the day when the wicked one would seek to overcome us with fears and with anxiousness and with confusion. And Father, I ask that uh, you would keep our church family close one to another in fellowship. And that on the other end of this we might be able to come together stronger, more united, and more determined to unite that we would not take for granted that which so many Christians around the world um, don't have in, in in good circumstances which is uh, freedom to openly assemble and as we taste just a bit of the frustration of not being able to openly assemble um, on for very different reasons I do ask that you would give us a, a renewed appreciation for this time for the freedoms that we have and may you be glorified in it Father, we commit our time together to you today. I pray that you'd give me clarity and wisdom as I seek to um, expound upon these elements of the Word of God as as I have studied them and thought through them. May God's people be blessed and edified in this time together. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I I mentioned this evening, um, I will be reading some missionary letters. We'll have a little bit of extra time Uh, going through that and very much looking forward to that together. Uh, We're going to step right into our time, and I do not anticipate necessarily this uh, being as long as a normal sermon as I have not written it out and and thought through it to that extent um, where I've put it all together uh, in, in the normal way. However, I would like you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them today, to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9 in your Bibles, uh, and I will not be having this up on the screen today, so I I hope that you can have your Bible handy as we walk through this text together. Today I want to think through an element of faith. Now we've talked a lot about faith over the last uh, many weeks. Really, it's been a theme for almost the past, uh, better than the past half year, as we were walking through Hebrews chapter 11 in our Tuesday night uh, lessons for a while, and then we walked through Uh, Any number of elements of faith in in a number of different uh, forums, also. And in Joshua chapter 9, we have a very interesting, a very unique um, example of faith. One which might surprise us. Now, for those of you that were in our Tuesday night where we walked through Hebrews 11, uh, there were a lot of surprises there, weren't there? Uh, We had uh, any number of people that were in that hall of faith, as it's often called, um, that we would wonder, why are they there? And and I'm sure that you had asked that question before. And yet when we think about uh, Jephthah being there, when we think about Samson being there, when we think about Rahab being there, um, these are interesting examples of faith for any number of reasons. Of course, Rahab is also in the book of Joshua and as we think about Rahab and and we think about her faith, uh, it's, it's a very unique concept of faith as it relates to Rahab because we see this woman and she is a harlot and she lives on the wall of Jericho and in living on the wall of Jericho she has this unique access and then she hides these spies. Who were in the city, and and the people of the city come looking for the spies, and she lies in order to hide them. Says that they ran off, and then uh, she, in fact, is hiding them, and then she asks for mercy. And so we find her doing this thing, which is to to lie to uh, the people of her own country, and she does this um, explicitly as a means by which to um, cast her her lot in, as it were, with Israel rather than with her own people. Uh, she chose loyalty to Israel and Israel's God above loyalty to her people and her God. And this is, this is that element of faith, right? This is that element where she says, very similar to what we see with Moses in the Hall of Faith, where the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Moses uh, was willing to suffer affliction with the people of God than to endure the pleasures of sin for a season. Uh, then, uh, and this idea of, uh, of uh, seeking unto all of the riches of Egypt, So he set aside the riches of Egypt in order that he might have um, the, the association with God through the people of God. And we see a unique and similar circumstance in Joshua chapter 9. Now let's remember, let's walk through a little bit of the element of what faith is. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith is that thing which pleases God. So much so that in Romans 14 it says that without faith it is impossible. Oh, excuse me, that was Hebrews 11. That, um, Romans 14 says whatsoever is not of faith, there we go, is sin. So we have this, this reality that the thing that pleases God is faith. And we've been talking about this on Tuesday nights right now as it relates to our, our topic of Judaism and Christianity, and so we have um, this this unique and important principle in the Word of God that it is faith that pleases Him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." Faith is certainly not blind. Faith is recognizing something to be true and and putting our lot in with it, so that we find that when God's word says something, we say, well, I know that God exists because the heavens declare the glory of God and that I know God existing. I have full confidence then that God has created me, that God has written the rules by which I operate. And in that God has written the rules in which I operate, I'm going to fully trust that if God has revealed himself to me and he has given me the means by which um, to understand him, that I am going to fully trust it, even if it doesn't quite make sense. So that, as we talked about last Sunday morning, we would say that the things of the life that are to come are in fact more real in many ways than the things of this life. That the things, the promises of God in the life that is to come is more tangible, more real than than this, this stand that I'm holding here, than this book that I hold in my hands, uh, than the clothes that I'm wearing. I can feel these. I can I can touch these, I can, I can see these things, they are, they, are, they are before my eyes, and yet all of these things will pass away, whereas the things of, of the spiritual, the things of the, 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 um, the heavenly are eternal, so they're, they're around forever, they're not going away, thus they are, in, 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 in a manner of speaking, from a certain point of view, significantly more real than these things, than the things in my bank account, than, than, than my physical health in this life, right? And so this is a faith proposition by which we see what is real and we see what is not real. And then we reach unto that which is real. And as we reach unto that which is real, that is exercising faith. It's not faith when I know that these things are real. It's faith when I reach unto those things. It's faith when I pursue those things. It's faith when I actually get in the boat, not when I see the boat, right? Not when, as we we think of Noah's day, that's where that that analogy would come from. Everybody knew that Noah had built an ark. Maybe some, even to one degree or another, knowing what Noah had said, uh, said, yep, Noah built that ark because he says that there's a flood coming. But the only ones that had faith were Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives who got into the boat, right? Uh, no matter what people knew, no matter what people said they believed, if they didn't get in the boat, they didn't have faith. And so faith is this, 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 this appropriation of truth, which is why in James chapter 2, James says without faith, uh, or that, that show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. It's not that, that faith is a work in that sense, and it is not that I need to do works in order to have faith, but if I have faith, It is going to manifest itself in action because if I have faith, then I am invested in that thing. So when God says in Matthew chapter 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I, I can know these things. I can say I believe these things. But when I do in fact seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness first, that is when I know I have faith, and I know I have faith because it is manifesting itself in my priorities. It is manifesting itself in my works. And that brings us to what we find here in Joshua 9. And I'm going to end up reading the entire chapter here. And so I encourage you to listen or read along as I read the chapter. And then after I read this chapter, I want to try to think through some of the elements of what we're, what we're uh, um, presented with here. Because it really is a a, a unique and an interesting set of circumstances that we find here. Now, uh, to set the scene, of course, Joshua and the nation of Israel, they have entered into the land of Canaan after the 40 years of wandering. And do recall, they passed over the, the River Jordan. The Lord parted the river. They passed through the River Jordan to the other side. And then they were before Jericho. And that's where Rahab comes in, right? The spies go into Jericho. She hides them. They come out. They tell her that if she hangs a scarlet cord on her window, then anyone inside of her house will be spared when they take the city. They walk around the city um, uh, once per day. They do that for six days. On the seventh day, they walk around the city seven times. They yell, they shout, the walls fall down, they take the city. Then um, they move on to Ai, and they, re- they, they uh, fail to consult the Lord rather uh, before going a- and taking Ai, and they, in their hubris really, um, decided they only needed a few thousand men to take it. So they send, I believe it was 3,000 men, to take that city and they are defeated and it turns out that they were defeated um, because a man named Achan had taken from Jericho which was supposed to be consecrated to the Lord and he had taken some things for himself he ends up getting stoned for such um, and Israel realizes that they did not ask the Lord they did not wait on the Lord and thus they suffered some consequences they end up taking Ai and that brings us to the circumstances that we find here where now they are ready to move into the land and uh, begin to conquer the land in, in a more systematized way. And the Bible says in Joshua chapter 9 verse 1, And it came to pass, when all the kings which were on this side of Jordan, on the, in the hills and in the valleys, and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord, so we have all of the people of the land coming together and uh, um, amassing their strength in order that they might together resist this army of Israel. Verse three. Well, and when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua, what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wilily. That word meaning uh, with, with trickery or, or deceptively and went, and made as if they had been ambassadors, and took old sacks upon their asses, and wine bottles old, and rent, and bound up, and old shoes, and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. So they began to give the impression um, that, uh, from what we see here, um, that that they were um, from a, a long distance away. So they They got ambassadors as if they were coming from a long distance and had sent a a group of people. And the Bible says that they they took old sacks and they put upon their their asses old sacks and wine bottles. And remember in the New Testament, uh, one of the things that confuses people or or that they they don't think of as, as it relates to this, remember when Jesus talked about the old wine and the new wine and the rending of bottles. We see that same analogy here. And wine bottles old and rent and bound up. Uh, they weren't in fact bottles like glass bottles or clay bottles that we would think of. Uh, they were they were wine skins, and so they would have a, a a skin around the wine, and that would give the opportunity for it to expand um, with the with the the fermentation process. However, um, when the skins were old, they would get brittle. They would get hard, and so um, they would actually rend. They would tear um, when as as the pressure built up within them, and so we see that there where they'd gotten old wine skins. Uh, that were that were were um uh, had already lived past their usefulness and they they took them and they took their uh, old sacks and, and in doing so uh, they made the gave the impression that they had been on a very long journey and had not for some time replenished their supplies uh, I don't exactly know how long it would take for a wineskin to get old and brittle but pre- the, the, the presumption would have been that they were from quite a distance away And then, of course, they have old shoes that they put upon their feet, uh, old garments upon them, and then they took the bread and they they took dry and moldy bread so that, again, it looked as if they had been on a very long journey and they were just at the very end of all of their supplies. Verse 6, And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him, And to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? So uh, Israel does think of this contingency. We don't know these people. We don't know where they're from. Uh, the Bible calls them Hivites here. So this is one of the, the, the groups that was in the land um, that God said to destroy. And he said to utterly destroy all of the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and such. Right. So he said to utterly destroy them. And they say, well, what if you're, what if you're one of us? Why, how can we make an agreement? Or not one of us. What if you're from this land? How can we make an agreement with you if you are from this land? And verse 8, the Bible says, And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said, Who are ye? And from whence come ye? And they said unto him, verse 9, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan to Sion king of Heshbon, to Og the king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake unto us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot from our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry, and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent, and these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the the very long journey. Verse 14, And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. So we have a situation here, and this being for the second time, uh, even under the, the leadership of Joshua. We have a situation here where the people began to reason and say why it was that they were not from that land. See, we have all of these things, and they're old, and they're, they're, they're from a long ways away, and such. And, and so they reason as to how it is and why it is that they are not actually um, from that land. And the Bible says that the men took of their victuals, that they saw these things, and they failed to ask counsel of the Lord. Now, they failed to ask counsel of the Lord before Ai, and they failed to ask counsel of the Lord this time. And this is a unique and an interesting trend that we find here. Uh, one that is, is somewhat surprising. One that we did not see in the days of Moses. In the days of Moses, Moses was always in communion with the Lord. And Joshua was a good leader. Make no mistake, Joshua was Moses' protege, as it were. But you can already see that Moses was very, very unique. You can see why God chose Moses and that He had a very unique element of faith. Uh, We see the same thing in David, where in the days of David, especially early on, even in what we might call trivial matters, uh, David always asked counsel of the Lord, and the Lord would sometimes say, do it, and sometimes say, no, don't do it. Hold off. And thus, we find this trend of, of those that had great faith asking regularly of the Lord. But Joshua... Joshua did not do so again not not trying to say that Joshua did not have faith but but we are already seeing a a degeneration as it were of Israel's distinction as it related to walking by way of the Lord walking in the steps the footsteps on uh, the path that the Lord would would trod for them explicitly and of course as we get into the book of judges um this becomes really bad, right? In the book of Judges every man did what was right in his own eyes and none of them consulted as unto the Lord. Even the judges themselves, right, um, were men uh, that were deeply, deeply flawed. And we see this same thing here that Joshua failed to ask counsel of the Lord, out of the mouth of the Lord. So verse 15 says, And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. So they swear by the Lord that they will let this group live. Uh, now we're going to talk about this more in, in just a moment as we recognize what's going on here. But but begin thinking through this with me. What might have changed had Joshua asked of the Lord? And and think through this carefully and within the context that you will perhaps be able to think through it a little bit more with me. Think through this carefully what would God have said if they had indeed asked uh, of the Lord. Verse 16, And it came to pass at the end of three days, after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors, and that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed, and came unto their cities in the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, and Kephira, and Bearoth, and Kirjath-Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation murmured against the princes. The congregation was not happy about this, and understandably so. They did not inquire of the Lord, uh, and in doing so, they had made a league. They had sworn unto um, they had sworn unto the people of Gibeon, and they had made a league with people who they were supposed to destroy. Verse nineteen. But all the princes said unto all the congregation, "We have sworn unto the Lord." unto them by the Lord God of Israel, now therefore we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath we swear unto them. And the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood, and drawers of water unto all the congregation, as the princes had promised them. And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you when ye dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall be none of you, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen, and hewers of wood, and drawers of water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants, how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land, and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you, therefore we were sore afraid of our lives because of you. And have done this thing, and now behold, we are in thine hand, as it seemeth good and right unto thee to do unto us, do. So did he unto them, and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel, that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water, for the congregation, and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day in the place which he should choose. Uh, throughout the Bible, what you'll find is that there's a group of people associated with the temple and the tabernacle called the Nethanim. And those Nethanim, many believe, we would believe are, in fact, these workers of Gibeon. So what ends up happening is they are confronted and Joshua confronts them, says, why did you lie to us? And notice their response. Really think through this with me. They said, because it was told, thy servants, that would be them, it was told to us, that the Lord, your God, commanded his servant Moses to destroy everyone and we feared for our lives. This is very interesting. See, do you think Gibeon was the only group within Canaan that heard that message? Was Gibeon the only group of people within Canaan that, that heard and understood that God had commanded to Moses to do this thing and, and they had torn through the various kings of the Amorites, Og king of Bashan, and that they were now at the cusp of Jordan and then they crossed Jordan and Jericho fell and Ai fell. Were, were they the only ones that knew that? Absolutely not. All of those kings of the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the other Hivite kings and the Perizzite kings, they knew that too. They had heard that too. So what was the difference? What was the difference between the people of Gibeon and the people of, uh, of, of J- Jerusalem, of the Jebusites? Or of Adonizek. Uh, Adonai Zedek, excuse me, who was the king of of Jerusalem at the time. What was the difference? See, the difference was, Gibeon believed it. And Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem said, no, 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 we're going to fight and we're going to win. We're going to resist. We're going to stand against this. Gibeon said, we're not going to stand against the Lord. We believe that God will give us into his hand. We believe that this is going to happen. And because we believe this is going to happen we are going to do what we can to get on God's side. And that's what they say. They say, look, it's fine. We'll be your servants. We'll be hewers of wood. Just let us be with you. Let us be with your God. Let us us not be destroyed by your God. Now, this is, in fact, faith. This is not perfect faith, is it? All throughout the judges, we're going to see imperfect faith too. But remember, those judges that had that imperfect faith, they're in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, aren't they? Samson. Samson is in the hall of faith, even though he had very imperfect faith. He had very imperfect faith, did he not? He's in there, though. Jephthah makes that rash vow, and yet he's there. Barak, who wouldn't even go and do the job that God had told him to do unless Deborah goes with him, so that he even lost the credit for the battle. He's there in Hebrews 11. And you know what? The Gibeonites had faith. This reminds me of our memory verse for this month and last month. If you know the memory verse, why don't you say it with me as I quote it? Psalm 84, 10 and 11. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's what we memorized. We even talked about it at length last Sunday night. It was the focal point of our teaching last Sunday night. Can you see a little bit of Gibeon in that? Ironically, amazingly enough, what they are going to end up doing for the next many, many, many generations of their existence as the Nethanim, they will be doorkeepers in the house of God. They will be the hewers of wood in the house of God. They will be those who uh, will draw the water in the house of God. They will be the servants of the servants of God, of the people. So you have the Levites who have no inheritance, and they are serving the Lord. The Lord is their inheritance. And then you have the Gibeonites who became the servants of the Levites in the temple. And they did the most menial tasks. But you know what? Though they did the most menial tasks, they were still there, weren't they? They were not destroyed, were they? They were not missing from history. The rest of Canaan? Gone. The Philistines would last a while. They would be a thorn in the in, in the side of any number of, of kings of Israel, but you don't hear about the Philistines today. The various groups in the land, the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites, David would, would take care of the Jebusites in his day. But those Gibeonites, they stayed around. They served the Lord. They ministered in the temple. They're even found in Ezra and Nehemiah on the other side of the captivity. They're still there. And that is because, though imperfect, they exercise faith. Now, as we think through that, let's go back for a moment and think about God, what would have happened if Joshua had asked the Lord in relation to Gibeon? See, Rahab was a harlot. She was a Canaanite. She lived in Jericho. God said, destroy everyone in Jericho. Yet she exercised faith, and not only was she saved, but then she was added into the the nation of Israel, and Rahab ended up, in fact, becoming a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Was it the great-grandmother of David, right? And so Rahab uh, enters into the tribe of Judah and she becomes an integral part of the lineage through which Christ would be born, David and Solomon and Christ and and such. And so we have this instance where this woman had great faith and her faith not only brought about a a salvation of, of her physical life, but it also brought her into something much, much deeper on a very spiritual level and the Gibeonites. They did the same thing. Now had Israel inquired of the Lord, we don't know exactly what would have happened. But here's the thing we do know. These Gibeonites exercised faith. I don't think the Lord would have said, no, destroy them. I think it may have been different for them. Whereas Rahab entered into the lineage of Jesus Christ, they uh, entered into uh, servitude for the rest of their days. There were some consequences for the lies and for the deceits Uh, unto which they engaged, into which they engaged, and yet faith nonetheless. Faith nonetheless. And this is again a lesson about the nature of faith. You know, you and I are imperfect creatures. And faith is an aspirational thing. We look at these men and women uh, of the Word of God and we look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and, and, and Joshua and David and Jonathan and and through to the prophets and through to the apostles and such, and we see this faith and, and, and we, we might get frustrated at ourselves. And it's very true and very right that we would always be seeking to grow, always be seeking to learn, always be seeking to increase, that, the, praying that prayer, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, help me to be faithful. But may I also encourage you may I encourage you not to become discouraged and think that you have no faith simply because you're struggling in a certain area. May I encourage you to remember the lesson of Gibeon that though these men had imperfect faith And though that imperfect faith came with its own set of consequences, yet we do find here the tremendous grace of God, whereby even that small little bit of faith, whereby they had enough faith to believe that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, so much so that they knew that their life was in danger, and they ran to the people of God in order to find some mercy. And they didn't do it the right way, And they didn't do it in a way that that would have been um, um, best as far as God is concerned. And yet they did it. And they ended up as servants, but they ended up as doorkeepers in the house of their God. And as we see from Psalm 84, 10 and 11, far better to be a doorkeeper even, the least esteemed in the house of God, than to dwell in those tents of wickedness. See, because the, in, the, in those tents of wickedness, there is death, because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To whatever degree we are willing to step out in faith, to that degree we work in ourselves life. So Galatians chapter 6 says, right? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit, life everlasting. Those that sow to the Spirit reap life. Those that sow to the flesh reap death. This is not just something as it relates to the unbeliever. The unbeliever is only sowing to the flesh, right? And he only can sow to the flesh because he can do nothing in faith because he has not the Spirit of God within him. The only thing he can do in faith is flee to the cross for salvation. And yet for we who are in Christ, for we who are believers, the wages of sin is death. Everything that we do outside of faith works in us a measure of death. Everything that we do in faith works in us life. And so there are choices, there are consequences. What we sow is what we are going to reap. We, we know these, these principles. But what I really want to aim at this morning is, is those of you that perhaps this morning are, have, been, have been so hard on yourselves and truly convinced that you have no faith because you have imperfect faith and that's simply not true imperfect faith is not the absence of faith it's just imperfect faith and it's important for us that we continue to grow in faith but it's also important that you live not under the specter of guilt and shame and frustration but instead, under the expectation and the hope of constant improvement. Of taking the next step, of doing the next right thing, of the next step of faith. Gibeon, no doubt, learned a lot about God after this point. They did the best that they knew how to do as far as saving themselves and and, and believing what the Lord had said. They, threw it, were deceitful. They threw it... Uh, um presented themselves in a manner that was that was uh, incorrect, they lied, they deceived. And yet over the course of the next generations, no doubt, they were able to experience tremendous increases in their faith. Tremendous increases so that their children, their children's children, their children's children's children would know n- would, would by no means associate themselves with the, the tents of wickedness, with the people of Canaan, with those Hivites of which they were a part but rather were rooted entirely in the promises of God and the people of God and in, in, in the in the courts of their God. So that when the Gibeon say today how that the Lord thy God commanded thy ser- his servant Moses in a generation or two, no doubt that became the Lord my God. And let that be the same for you and I as well. Now If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, that's the first step. The Bible says that we're all sinners. And because we're sinners, we have fallen short of the glory of God. God is perfect. You are not. And because God is perfect and you are not, the Bible tells us that we are separated from God because God is holy and He cannot have fellowship with that which is unholy. And since you're imperfect, you are unholy. I am unholy. And that puts us in a really bad place. But the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That idea of life, as we've already talked about it this morning, death is separation. Life is is fellowship. That those who who place their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those who have enough faith to recognize that God has said, whosoever... uh, Believe, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God and believes that. And flees to the cross recognizing that he that believeth is not condemned will be saved. And the Bible tells us this to be true. And if you have enough faith to believe that, if you have enough faith to get in that boat to say, I am in, I am trusting in Christ, in Christ alone, to be for me what I cannot be for myself, to 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 bring me into a relationship with God that I cannot bring myself into, you will be saved. And that's a little bit of faith. That's not a lot of faith. That's not the faith to commit every single aspect of your life to the Lord. Uh, in this life, it's not, it's, it's not the faith to say, I'm going to, to give of my first fruits to the Lord. It's not the, it's not the faith to say, I'm going to be in church every time uh, um, I can and these sorts of things. It's simply enough faith to recognize that Jesus has died on the cross for you and he was buried and he rose again the third day in victory over sin and victory over death in victory over the grave, you will be saved. But don't stop there. Keep growing. Appropriate Matthew chapter six, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Appropriate unto yourself the principles of Ephesians chapter four. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him give that he may have uh, rather let him work that he may give to him that hath need. But and be kind one to another, tenderhearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And you grow in grace and you grow in faith and you need to keep growing. But also don't be discouraged thinking that just because you aren't where you want to be that you aren't anywhere. That just because you aren't where you where you want to be it, it means that you have no faith because that's simply not true. The Gibeonites did not have a lot of faith. They did not work out their faith in a way that, that was most appropriate, but they had it. And while the manner in which they worked it out did mean consequences, servitude in the house of God, they were there. They didn't die. They weren't destroyed with the rest of, of Canaan. Just as Rahab was not destroyed with the rest of Canaan. And finally... I'd like you to think about what this means about the God that you serve. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is holy. Our God is angry at sin every day. But what pleases God? Faith pleases God. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. But as it relates to those in Hebrews 11, as it relates to those that had faith, the Bible says, Wherefore God was not ashamed to be called their God. Remember that our God is a God of mercy. Remember that our God is a God of grace. Remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember that Jesus said, I came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, Christ, might be saved. God desires you to live a life abundantly in him he's made every provision for you to live that abundant life in him don't don't lose sight of that and don't take that for granted you know within this time it's a it's a time where where we have perhaps been able to adjust our perspective on things what we have what we don't have what we need what we don't need what's important to us and what isn't maybe some of you i hope some of you some of you that don't come to church as often will start to reconsider that through this time. I hope that you'll start to realize just how important this fellowship is and how wonderful it is and, and, and the fact that we've lost it all together uh, might give you a renewed desire to seek it out to its fullest extent. And yet, as we think through all of these things and as we work through all of these things and as we, we perhaps re, readjust our perspective in this time, we look at these two elements that God is holy and God is just and God has these high expectations and we look at the fact that God has fulfilled those expectations in his son Jesus Christ and it calls us unto greater heights of faithfulness. It calls us to set aside those things of this life for the things of the life that is to come. It reminds us about how vulnerable we are. About how easy it is for all of the things of this life to just poof and be gone. About how quickly everything can change in this life, the material things of this life, but do you know what doesn't change? Do you know who cannot change? God cannot change. The things that are of God are eternal. To that end, though uh, the primary point of this time together was to encourage you um, unto not being discouraged by your faith, may I just remind you in this time as well, That every provision is made for you to have that kind of faith that you would desire. That to whatever degree you will count him faithful, he that does not change, he that cannot change, you will find from him life. And may God help us to be that kind of people. To be a people determined that we would walk by faith and not by sight. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths of it. Pray that you would help God's people. Help them not to be discouraged this morning if they've been struggling a little bit, saying, why don't I have faith? Or Where is my faith? Pray that you would reveal to them through your spirit the manner of their faith. I also pray that you would help each of us to aspire unto greater faith, to seek unto that faith together, to um, work unto that faith, and to submit ourselves to you. And I thank you that we may commit these things to you. I pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. We will, in this time, um, have a brief sila. There's going to be a few moments of silence on the um, screen. And, and as we do so, we'll take a few moments to reflect upon the word of God as it's been given. I do encourage you to utilize this time, and I encourage you to stay logged in as well. I do have a few announcements to make after the fact, but let's allow the Spirit of God to take these truths and commend them to our hearts in the silence of these moments this morning. A couple of announcements as we close. A reminder that just after this time, it's almost 11 o'clock, we're going to go ahead and move over to that service, Jitsi, and the link should be in the description. If you'd like to just click on that link, it will take you right to it. It's a video messaging service, so it would have the ability to have the cameras on and the audio on, and we'll have a time of fellowship where we can chat one with another. Uh, This evening we will have another service, and that service is going to begin at 6 p.m., and um, a reminder to you as it relates to that service that um, uh, it will be on YouTube live again, so it will be very similar to this one. I'd encourage you to be there. Um, this evening I'm going to begin giving you some of my thoughts as it relates to these elements of what's going on uh, in the world and, and the scriptures. Um, and I'd like to, to say some things as it relates to, obviously in this time there's a lot of stuff going on prophetically. Uh, or pe- people talking about prophecies and whatever else. And I'd like to just address that uh, a little bit today and, and, and give you some other thoughts. Uh, not so much about how others are responding, but only what's been what's been bouncing through my head and, and um, in my heart in this time. So we're going to do that together this evening. And then, of course, Tuesday night at 7, we'll have our normal fellowship. I would encourage you this afternoon, if you have any prayer requests, send me a text, send me an email, give me a call, let me know. And I will uh, plan to share some of those together this evening. Um, I'll use only first names so that uh, since we do have a bit of a public forum here uh, in a unique way. And we'll be sure um, that, and, and of course I can do it anonymously as well if, if you would rather uh, not. Or you can just call people individually and ask them to pray for you. And again, I'll be reading some missionary letters, so be sure not to miss that. Uh, in light of that, our service this evening might go for that full hour and a half span rather than just what this one was, which was about an hour, and um, to that end, I would not necessarily anticipate um, having fellowship after the service per se, but what I would perhaps um, plan is that uh, in, in some time prior to the service, um, that Psalm 8411 room, if anyone wants to join in and fellowship in that time, there you can certainly do so and um, perhaps there can be a little bit of fellowship before the evening service if you'd like to do that also okay uh, well thank you for um, for being a part of today and I think that this worked fairly well and uh, of course I'd be uh, very happy to have any feedback on how things went on your end how it sounded what it looked like making sure that things were in good shape as far as that is concerned and we will uh, hope and pray that all of this will be behind us sooner than later and we can again meet together, and fellowship together. Uh, If there's anything that the church can do for any of you, if you need anything, um, please do not hesitate to call, and we will be sure to um, help you in whatever way we can. And we'll look forward to seeing many of you in just a few moments on Jitsi. The Lord bless you, and have a good afternoon. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jamin Wickler from Legacy Baptist Church in Buffalo, Minnesota.